count to three. Come with me and you'll be in a world of... Do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do. You have found Daniel Donato's Lost Highway. That lost highway. Yes. So, if somebody asks you what you've been doing, what you've been up to, what? What kind of question? What? Listen, I think that this might be an out of date question. I think it might not apply to this time. How are you feeling? That's different. You want to sit down and talk about it? Let's do it. Let's hop on a Zoom call. What have I been doing? I literally had some leftover steak and three Snickers mini for lunch today at four o'clock. That's been my day. I don't know about you guys. I have friends that work at Domino's who are 19 years old. And I have friends who are 50 years old that are CEOs. And they're all frustrated with life. They're frustrated as fuck. And it makes sense. Here's a thought I've been having, and I think it is real. I think at 2021, 2022, 23, when you're stuck in traffic in rush hour in your Tesla Cybertruck, looking at Instagram at a red light and the light turns green and someone beeps at you and you get that nervous feeling of driving away and hating them simultaneously, you're going to want to look back on these times and actually say, hey, I tried my best and I worked my hardest. I tried to stay positive and I tried to help others through offering a good perspective. And I also tried to define my goals and how I could possibly get out of this shit show. Oh, here we're already having. I watched The Last Dance. I thought The Last Dance was stellar, but it made me even kind of more sad. Everything kind of just makes things a little bit more sad right now. Everything. Michael Jordan, Jerry Garcia, all the greats. Looking back at their times, now just seems strange. I feel like I'm living in a chapter of a history book that my kids are going to be taking a test on, hopefully not on a Zoom call. My sister's nine and she and my other sister is 21 and they're both able to literally just cheat their entire way through the year. What is going on? What is this world? There are nine-year-olds on Zoom sending each other emojis for school. We are in a crazy episode of an HBO series right now. But I do think something that'll make you happy looking back on this time a couple years from now will be you having stayed as positive and informed and operative from a rational and logistical perspective as possible. Tell people you love them that you don't normally tell them that you love and be proud of yourself because I am proud of you. Even though I don't know you, I guarantee you, I'm most likely proud of what you're doing. But sincerely, it's about being proud of yourself. It's almost like your job right now. Bill Miller owns and operates seven businesses within Nashville, Tennessee. Nudie's Honky Tonk, Patsy Klein Museum, House of Cards, Skull's Rainbow Room, the Frank Sinatra Museum, soon to be opened, Johnny Cash Museum, and Johnny Cash's Kitchen and Saloon. He worked with Johnny for 35 years, and also was the youngest mayor to ever be elected in the state of California. Now, aside from the resume, which is absolutely wonderful of Bill Miller, he is a fantastic individual to sit down and have a conversation with. He even helped me carry my microphones into his office. We walked in there, offered me a Perrier, and we talked about his team of 300 people, the stories of his life, the concept behind building a business, the lack of fear, and the integral and crucial need to have a defined craziness and confidence in however you pursue movement forward and ambition in life. This was a thrilling conversation and is a positive cup of tea for anybody who is feeling just a little bit confused in these times. A large thanks personally to Bill and his team at Icon Entertainment for making this happen. 
Y'all are gonna love this one. And now, do you know that they've banned people from playing on the street? What do you think of that? I think it's stupid. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's Music City, yeah. you know. So instead, you have the homeless, and they don't do anything about them. Yeah. I'd rather I'd rather have a talented homeless person playing music. Yeah. yeah. Even the girl that played fiddle and you know danced on the box yeah. they mm. banned her. Ridiculous. It's insane. Yeah. It makes no sense. Makes She's so good too. I love seeing her. Yep. We're rolling whenever you're ready. Right. Yeah. Cool. Well, I love the informal conversation. Uh, the thing I really wanted to talk on was the evolution of Music City. Because I'm very interested in the, in, in the less than the surface value in terms of all the musicians. And that's the thing that once you're in that world for, for some time, an easy amount of time, a year or two, you, can, you kind of understand how that world works. But you realize there's many more gears than just the musicians that provide change for the city. And you had such an imaginative and impactful punch on the change of the city. And we were just talking about how buskers are no longer allowed to play downtown. And you think that's not a... That's not yeah, a- I mean, this is called Music City, right? So just, you know, the, the fact that there are 20 bars with live music should not preclude musicians from playing for tourists and the rest of us who walk up and down the sidewalks. And after all, isn't that the myth of Music City or the legend of Music City mm-hmm. that people came here from all over the world and all over the country took a bus here? Use their last dollar to get here and stood on a corner and somebody discovered them. Well, I mean, isn't isn't that what it's all about? I would think you have a lot of empathy for the consumer. I have a lot of empathy for the musician. You know, musicians. I don't think I've ever walked past a musician, whether it be in a bar, a restaurant, or on the street, that I haven't left a tip for because those people are out there. You know, and and quite frankly, you can find as much or more talent uh, of a higher caliber on Broadway and the side streets and you can on most major record labels these days. So to discourage music in Music City by virtue of banning street performers to me is just counter to everything that the city is supposed to stand for. Absolutely. That's so true. What do you think turns that that page in, in a direction that's not favorable to the musicians? Uh, you know, politics, bureaucracy. Uh, of course. I, I have no idea where it came from. You know, there was, there was, a, there was a, a mayor who came in and banned everything from sandwich boards to street musicians thinking that it wasn't uh, in keeping with the city's image. Well, you know, I don't know what kind of image we want Broadway to have, but I think when there were street performers on the street, it was better than it is now. I think, I think we've kind of, you know, there's a lot of vagrants who have taken the place of street performers, and I don't think there's anybody who would argue that we would much rather have street performers than vagrants. Not to compare the two, of course. but when one left, it seemed like the other took over, and I think that's a shame as well. Absolutely it is. I wonder what it is. I wonder if it's the people, aside from the politics, because you see a lot of people coming down here, and, and they expect it to be country music, but just even walking past uh, the parking deck to get to, to your building, which was three blocks, mm-hmm. I heard n- no country music. And we're, we're not even at a prime time of... Of, uh, of traffic. Well, you know, <laughs> Nudie's yeah. has been open for not even three years yet. Yeah. Uh, end of November will be the third year. And I thought that Nudie's would be the 24-7 home to country music, classic yeah. country music. And if you walk in there, you know, we have more history on those walls than you can see at the Country Music Hall of Fame. There That's are more true. names of classic country performers than you will find at the Country Music Hall of and Fame. Ephemera. And ephemera and memorabilia and cars, but 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 when we opened, and we were playing classic country music, twenty two seven, people weren't coming in, and it shocked me. And I looked around the place, and I thought, this is the coolest honky tonk in Nashville. It if really you ask was. me, you know, nobody yeah. else has got a four hundred thousand dollar Cadillac that's totally pimped out with nudie style. Uh, nobody's got this, you know, this incredible library of hat show prints that you know name every name of anybody who was ever but anybody in country music mm. but people don't want to hear classic country music mm. so i thought it had to be us mm. and then the manager said well you know you need to introduce more classic rock so the more classic rock we introduced the more people came in uh-huh. and i don't know if you, well i know you've been in that building because yeah. you helped inaugurate it you're you know you're amazing talent thank you for that is still living in and echoing from those walls, Daniel Donato. Uh, But the crowds dwindled when it came to country music, and it was a shock to me. Yeah. Because I'm the guy, you know, I I wanted old classic country music videos playing, 
And mm. what's happened is, like anything else, by osmosis, the crowd is getting younger. Uh, I think another thing that happens is that Nashville has become very congested. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're taking all the parking lots and building buildings on them. Mm-hmm. So for older people mm-hmm. uh, who typically filled the bars and listened to classic country music, you know, a lot of older people don't do Uber. They don't do Lyft. They don't do ride sharing. They want to park and they want to walk to their destination. Mm-hmm. And it is incredibly hard now and incredibly expensive to park in downtown Nashville. And that's, mm-hmm. a, that's another soapbox I should get on sometime. And I've, I've had discussions about that with the new mayor, not only for tourists, but for people, musicians, for people who work wow. in the businesses here. Where do you park? Do you have to walk two miles to get her? You just said you walked four blocks. You shouldn't have to do that. That is wild. So I think the dynamics of downtown now dictate a different reality. Mm. Uh, you know, you're either going to ride share or you're going to pay $40 some nights to get a parking spot to come hear free music. So... The free music all of a sudden costs a lot of money. Wow, you're driving. It does. So, yes. you know, it's oh. Music City. I don't know that anybody ever called it Country Music City because so many different kinds of music have come out of this town. Never heard that before. But, uh, very speculative. you know, it's, it's disappointing to me because I am fascinated by the history of classic country music. You are. Uh, and, yes. I, and I had hoped to be able to have a venue that played nothing but that, but... When you're looking at 20,000 square feet and the amount of money it costs to be down here, hmm. uh, you know, you've got to serve your customers what they want. How do you uh, consciously uh, walk that line? No I don't have intended. a conscience, so I don't have to worry about that. Oh, is that the secret? I'm kidding. That's perfect because I was wondering uh, what the secret You know, was. Uh, as, a, as a businessman, as a business person, it's all about survival. Uh, you know, if, if, I was a, if I had enough money in the bank to fund a classic country nudies and didn't ever have to look at numbers and worry about, you know, the hundred people who work there and feeding them and their kids and That's being insane. sure that being sure that our musicians uh, get the best pay and the best treatment uh, and the best benefits, then, Which you, you know, yeah. I, I, I would have the luxury of, I'd, I would love to do that. Uh, but when you're in a city now that real estate is selling for a thousand dollars a square foot on Broadway, so the nudies building now would would be a twenty million dollar building. I couldn't afford to buy it today. Uh, oh, wow. You know, we we got in when it was a lot less. But when you look at the overhead, the it costs four million dollars to build nudies out, in oh, addition wow. to the six million for the building. So when you start looking at the numbers, and then you know all of us crazy people have our doors and windows open during the summer so people can hear the music. So the air conditioning is sucked out. So now you have a $5,000 electric bill every month. Yes. It's, it That's all boils one. down to economics. It's like everything else, unfortunately. How many employees do you presently have? Uh, between all of the companies. Uh, How many companies? Right it around take? 300 employees. Uh, that is absolutely mind-boggling. It is. You know, I, 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 uh, two years ago, I could name every employee and their children, and some of them even their parents and their grandparents. But it's, it's difficult now. Uh, but we have a great group. But we, you know, we own Skull's Rainbow Room, mm-hmm. which is again, you know, we're in Music City, mm-hmm. uh, and that's largely jazz. And we also have burlesque. We have Nudie's Honky Tonk, which we've already discussed. We have the Johnny Cash Museum, Patsy mm-hmm. Cline Museum, yeah. House of Cards, mm-hmm. which is uh, an entirely different uh, thing than we've ever done before, and uh, Johnny Cash's Kitchen and Saloon, yeah. which is new. Is there anything I've forgotten? Uh, sometimes. I forget. That's absolutely amazing. And then Frank Sinatra, the Sinatra Bar and Lounge is coming this year too, which is a uh, venture we're involved in with the Frank Sinatra family. And okay. That, that'll be a you know a Rat Pack uh, themed venue. So it, it's going to be something again, very different than what we've done before. You find yourself moving in a lot of new endeavors that are um, less known waters to you. It sounds like. Yeah, you know, uh, I think like you. When you sit in one place too long, you get stagnant, and you've yes. got it. If if you're a creative person, I I know you know. Unfortunately, I have no musical talent, but I think our talent is in creating new things, creating concepts that are really compelling. Mm-hmm. And if you sit in one place too long, you get stagnant. You got to get out and move around. You got to do new things. So, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 by virtue of that, you don't want to copy anything else. If there's a trend, look for us to run from that trend. Is that been a concept you kind of always have ingrained in your DNA operation? Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't want to follow anybody else. I want to do something that when people walk in, they just go, wow. Like the first time I saw you play a riff on your guitar, I was like, 
wow, man, you're very. Where's this guy come from? <laughs> How does he do this? You know, I, I was just playing for, before we started. I was playing uh, Ghost Riders in the Sky that you did at Nudie's, and uh, to this day, it blows me away. Wow. Thank uh, you. So you know, but but if you play Ghost Riders in the Sky every day, yeah. Daniel Donato, three hundred days a year, yeah. pretty soon you're going to go like Johnny Cash once said. You know, I don't know if I want to play it, Walk the Line again because you play it so many times. And you need that creative outlet. You need escape sometimes. So sometimes artists will just totally change what they're doing and Whoa. start over. Okay. Does that explain House of Cards? Does that play, explain the Frank Sinatra endeavor? I think yeah. that and the fact that, you know, Shannon and I, my wife Shannon, who you know, you know our whole family, uh, we like to travel to New York. We like to travel to California. And there are things in both of those places you don't find here. So we wanted to bring, you know, little pieces, bits and pieces of those places here. Mm. Partly selfish, so we don't have to get on a plane and go to Magic Castle in L.A. So we have House of Cards here. Magic Castle is such a phenomenon. Magic Castle is insane. I love and, that, yes. And I don't think you've been to House of Cards, but uh, uh, House of Cards is every bit as magical as uh, Magic as the Magic Castle. As a matter of fact, the Magic Castle, they're good friends of ours. And the former face of the Magic Castle is now with us, Joey Martinez, who, when you walked in the door, everybody knew Joey, and he's here. And uh, so so we've imported a bit of that, but we didn't copy it. I mean, obviously, it's magic, so people could say, yeah, you copied them. But it, it's, it's a different experience uh, in many ways. Uh, very food centric mm-hmm. as well, so we you know we we take our food very seriously. That's true. Uh, yes. And you know what what people like about it, and and it's another. It was a huge risk because we don't have a sign by choice, uh, reservations only. It we have a strict dress code. We've turned some very very well known uh, musical superstars away because they didn't want to dress according to our dress code. So we turned them away. We turned people away probably three four times a week. I would label that as artistic integrity. Artistic integrity, and we don't allow photos to be taken inside the venue. It's an experience. It's an experience, but you know you have to you have to you you can't be a rebel to go to House of Cards because you have to do it our way, not your way. <laughs> Sounds like you have to be a rebel to uh, uh, own House of Cards. Uh, you know, <laughs> just uh, I I tell people Shannon and I are just two really crazy people who come up with concepts, and you know, thank God that all of them have worked so far. Have you had any terrible failures? No, I, I have not had any ter- terrible failures. What stops that? Like, how do you not? I, I mean, I don't think there's a terrible failure or a good failure. So let's just, I, I, I haven't had any failures. Oh, I love such a thing. A there failure is, is by its own nature, you know, a failure. So I don't think there's a good, <laughs> a good failure. <laughs> That's absolutely a really positive speculation. You just said something that I think... I've been trying to do my whole life, which is you said you've you uh, you're crazy, and you mm-hmm. found Shannon who's and proud crazy. of it. Yes, you gotta be. Yes, it's kept you from going insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like Waylon said, right? Uh, how have you made it to be? You've branded your own crazy. You've created things mm-hmm. that have legacy that that are from your own crazy concepts, and you've also made a very lucrative living and existence out of such craziness. Well, I think the people around me have the lucrative livings. I just work 24-7 to be sure they can continue to have that. Got to hustle. That's the first one, right? These, these two ladies here, the marketing and social media department, they uh, really? they live very good lives, and I have to work hard to be sure they continue with that. Uh, you know, don't take yourself too don't take yourself too seriously. How so? How does that uh, manifest Just don't. Just, you know, don't start believing your own legend. What does that mean? It means that people will tell you how great you are, how smart you are. Bankers oh. will tell you, you know, how, how wonderful you are. And, how, and, you know, it could all fall apart tomorrow. You know, mm-hmm. it, it could have never started. It, mm-hmm. Like I said, it's two crazy people. Mm-hmm. And when I say crazy, I don't mean loony, loony tunes. Mm-hmm. I mean, knowing no fear, taking crazy chances, like, like doing House of Cards without signage. It, I mean, they're opening a new restaurant in Nashville every day. Yeah. And two are closing every day, by the way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to open a restaurant with, with no signage, with a strict dress code in a town that has no dress code, with reservations only required, all of, all of these things, it was a crazy, a stupid, crazy business concept. Because everybody else, you know, they'll, they'll walk out to your car and carry you into the restaurants. Yeah. It's, it's that competitive. So when I say crazy, we try things that nobody else smart would probably do. Oh. So the craziness is risk concept 
and just not knowing fear. You said uh, uh, coming up with a, a, a concept that is captivating. Mm-hmm. How has that process been for you? throughout your career has that process changed do things just kind of occur to you well you know the john the johnny cash museum was the first tourist driven thing we ever did tourist driven how so just in fact the fact that that it would serve tourists had you had businesses prior that Uh, i had i had businesses prior but they weren't they they didn't rely on critical mass like like here Mm -hmm. you know there's 13 million people a year that come to downtown nashville so, you know, you are focusing on something that will be compelling to tourists. So when, so when somebody comes here from Switzerland, I met some Swedish tourists outside that were posing in the Johnny and June cutouts and took a picture mm. for them. Uh, you know, things that they won't find anywhere else in the world. And that's what we've done here. You know, you won't find another Skulls. You won't find another Cash Museum. You won't yeah. find another House of Cards. Uh, so that's how it's different. But when we opened the Johnny Cash Museum, we had no idea what we were doing uh, had never opened a museum before we thought what have we done we're 2,000 miles away living in California we've just opened this museum you weren't living here we weren't living here I'm again crazy that is 2,000 miles away from the first museum we've ever opened uh, with a staff of four I think at the time uh-huh. uh, two of them were my family members two of them were my, my, my son and his wife so you know it is crazy but again, if you don't have fear, you don't really equate crazy with, you know, business or, the, you know, we don't even think about the possibility of a failure. You just don't even recognize it being a thing. Yeah. it's wow. It's, you know, you open it, you, you watch your do. customers, you tweak as necessary. Totally. Uh, and again, bring things that nobody else is doing. Whoa. How'd that idea hit you? Which one? The first and foremost, the Johnny Cash music. Johnny Cash was uh, my hero uh, yeah. when I was growing up, and I met him for the first time when I was 13. And we embarked on a friendship that would last to the end of his life. Absolutely. 35 years. Uh, and, you know, my people skills, and when I say people skills, the way you treat people, mm-hmm. uh, I learned from him. Because okay. Johnny Johnny was a very, very a shy man, but he was... Uh, you know, it was very, very respectful of anyone he ever met, whether it was the guy who opened his door at the hotel, you know, when he got out of the car, or the president of the United States. Everybody received equal treatment, and everybody received incredible treatment. He was uh, a man who was interested in people. He was an observer of people, and I learned a lot of that from him. And you know, one of the, if you ask me our best, our proudest accomplishment, I think it would be. Uh, our staff and the way our staff feels about us and the way we feel about our staffs. Uh, you know, <laughs> I was kidding the other day that I think I'm the only boss that when someone is fired from one of our businesses or, you know, someone resigns, I get love letters from people. Uh, and even, even if they weren't in love with their manager who ended up firing them, you know, I have to say that we, we of all these 300 employees that we uh, work with, we have contact with all of them in one way or the other. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no time to sit down and have lunch with every one of them, but there's always time to stop and talk and ask where they're from and how they're doing. So uh, it, it always shocks me to get letters, very nice letters when people, you know, you may not know, but I've been let go. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think it's kind of a so long but not a goodbye because you never know. And that's what I learned from Johnny. You know, even, even if somebody crosses you, unless, unless someone spits in your face, and my definition of spitting in your face is doing something that is just an in-your-face thing that pretty much says, you know, screw you. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's no relationship that's irreparable. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I can't think of 10 people that have worked for us and have gone other places that I wouldn't hire back if the opportunity arose. So I think it all stems from relationships. And, it, and that's all it's about. You know that. It's about people. If Daniel Donato develops a reputation for being a difficult person who treats his fans badly, you know, it's not going to have a happy ending. There's a few people who get away with that. But by and large, if you look at the country music field in particular, uh, there's a bond between the artists and the fans, especially the classic country days, which is why, you know, Loretta Lynn at 90 years old and Willie Nelson at at 80-something years old can still draw people. And, mm-hmm. and the fans that are still alive that saw them the first time 60 years ago will still come out today if they're able because they feel like they're family. And that's that's key. 
positive intention leads to longevity. Yeah, seems. hopefully. 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 Nothing hopefully. is guaranteed. Hopefully, yeah. If you drink too much or smoke too much, that could interrupt it. But, mm-hmm. you know, you never know. But uh, seriously, at the end of the day, it's all about people. Whoa. How do you keep that in mind, especially with customers? Because it seems like your businesses are, are, are widely loved in mm-hmm. Nashville, but they're extremely niche on the onset. A Patsy Cline Museum seems to me to be such a, a niche concept. And yeah. the genius marketer, Seth Godin, he talks about how in the age of social media, all we're moving towards are niche interests. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves very specific music. We have our own playlists. We wear fancy clothes that we all choose in our own accord. And right. um, how do you how do you go with those times? Are are you just when you go to come up with a new idea mm-hmm. or or acquire a place like Skulls or something like that? Um, are you thinking of consumers on the onset of it? Are you just are you coming from your own interest and your own vision and just? build it and they will come kind of a thing. It, it all starts with our own interest and our own vision because, again, you know, we're not looking to follow trends. Uh, yeah. You know, I've seen a lot of the, the uh, yeah. I don't want to call it bro, bro country because I think that's a slap, a slap in the face to country. a particular genre. Uh, contemporary country perhaps might be a better description and, and not off- offensive, and I think it's a, a more pertinent label. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've chosen to stay away from contemporary uh, artist because uh, there can be flavors of the day, and there are, and especially today where the public's attention span is so short because you have all of these things vying for your attention, streaming, cell phones, I mean, you name it. There's, there are a million things vying for your attention. So you have to put something in front of people that they stop what they're doing and just go, wow. And and I think if you look at any of the concepts that we do, that definitely happens. When you walk into nudies and you see, you know, the giant car on the wall and you see those suits and you see the history, it's just like, wow, this is something that I've never seen anywhere else. And when you go to House of Cards and, you know, you're sitting at a magician's table and you walk away and he goes, hey, would you like your watch back? You know, that's a wow thing, too. That's absolutely wow. Uh, and, then, and then Skulls, you know, the Skulls is just a magical place, and, it, and I can't take credit for that because we acquired that, and then we've made some improvements, but we didn't want to change too much because there's magic there, and there always has been. You recognize magic. Yeah, absolutely. Whether it's pre Johnny Cash had magic. I mean, the first time, the first time I ever heard Johnny Cash, uh, the minute, and your, most yeah. of your listeners won't know what a tone arm is, but it's a thing that you put on top of a vinyl record, uh, the minute that tone arm went down, I heard Luther Perkins go into that, you know, intro to Folsom Prison oh, Blues. That was magic. Me too. And that magic from that day affected me. And in fact, if I hadn't heard that album in the third grade, I wouldn't be sitting here today. In fact, I don't know where or who I'd be today. The third grade? Third grade. So you've kind of, uh, you've been, uh, you've been snowballing. Oh, since you know. Then. The, the the there have been three marriages in my life three marriages uh, a number of different businesses and there's the one constant the one thread throughout my entire life has been the Johnny Cash connection the Johnny Cash connection a little kid in a town of 3000 people in the middle of nowhere with three ch- three TV channels no radio there was no radio reception we were so far away and we're surrounded by mountains uh, a little kid discovered Johnny Cash of all things mm. in 1968 mm. Johnny Cash and here we are <clears throat> years later, and Johnny Cash is as big a part of my life, bigger than he's ever been. My youngest son is his godson. Uh, this museum was built as nothing more, nothing more, to be nothing more than a tribute to him. We had no idea that it would even make money. And in fact, Shannon and I were scared to death, even though we are fearless. Uh, we were concerned <laughs> as to, you know, being 2,000 miles away, how are we going to cover the bills here? Because now we have employees, we've rented a building, there's electricity, there's all this stuff. What have we done? Yeah. So we were going to be thrilled if it would break even mm-hmm. because all I wanted to do was have a tribute to Johnny Cash in a city where if any city should have a tribute to Johnny Cash, it should be Nashville. Johnny Cash branded Nashville. Go to Africa and say Johnny Cash, they'll say Nashville. Mm. Go to Timbuktu and say Nashville, they'll say Johnny Cash. Mm. So the fact that there was nothing here tributing him, you know, his house had burned down, the house in the lake, that was a, a tourist mecca. Millions of people came from around the world to see that. Yeah, in Hendersonville. That burned down, his museum was closed down, and that, that office was made into condos. Country Music Hall of Fame, didn't really seem to, you know, care a lot about Johnny until we opened the museum here. I've never said that in print or in, in an interview before, but there you have the scoop. Uh, 
but when everybody saw how successful this museum was, this little museum here, all of a sudden every T-shirt shop on Broadway had Johnny Cash T-shirts where before there were none. Hall of Fame did a big, you know, Johnny Cash-centric exhibit where before there was none, you know, other than the one they did in the early 80s. Uh, we did it out of love, and we do it every day out of love. And, Is that what created the demand, do you think, in a weird underlying way? Uh, you know, I, I totally believe in karma. Mm. I believe that, you know, Johnny is still all around us. I know that Johnny is very, very happy with uh, everything going on. Uh, and it's Johnny Cash. I mean, you would think by now the museum that's been open for five and a half years would have at least plateaued and maybe, you know, leveled off and maybe declined a little bit because there's tons of celebrity museums that, you know, are declining or out of business. But within the last month, we had our biggest day ever in Come terms on, of really? attendance, over 2,000 people. These are 2,000 paid admissions. Those are, you know, those are big numbers. Uh, about a half million people a year come, and they are all ages, all demographics, everything you can imagine. Cash fans are being born every day, literally. There's something, there's something about Johnny, and I think if you boil it down, it, it, yeah. it comes down to one thing. It's authenticity, and that's why people appreciate him. The music, the life, you know, Johnny Cash laid his life wide open for people. Today you have publicists when an artist goes on a, a binge that say, you know, they got hit in the head by a fan or, you know, the cough syrup that was prescribed was too strong. Johnny would say, hey, you know what, I fell off the wagon. Yeah. You know, I, I took too many pills, and I loved it, but it's wrong and it's bad for me. Instead of having his publicist cover it up, he knew that perhaps that latest stumble, that, that latest trip and fall would inspire somebody else and perhaps keep somebody, from, somebody else from making the same mistake. So that's, that's what I think people love about him, the, the honesty, the integrity, and the authenticity of the person and the music. And you operate on that, on that same fuel, it seems like. Well, you know, you do your best. You do your best. And I think that when you come to that realization that you can be authentic, you don't have to hide anything. I mean, my entire staff here, and I think everybody that works for me, there's, there's not two of me. You know, once in a while, one too many tequilas, there could be the, that other bill. <laughs> but but I think that I, I think that I'm pretty constant and uh, and again it just boils down if, if you can be comfortable with who you are and be that person it's the easiest thing in the world man I really love that whole idea in a world now especially where we can kind of have these portrayed lives on social media my whole big intention with this podcast as well is to stay true to the authentic self that is me why do people want to be who they aren't? I can't figure that one out. Oh wow! You know why? Why, do, why do you want? Yeah. In, in Orange County, California, we come from Corona, California, and and in Orange County, California, years back, mm -hmm. there was this there was this move to you know climb this ladder, mm. but every rung you got to, there was always somebody with a bigger house, better car. Mm more money mm. so no matter how, how hard you climb and you know orange county i'm not using that as an example to belittle them but uh you know orange county was at, at the height of the plastic what was going on in society at that time i want to be bigger better than anybody i want to be bigger and better than my friends but you find out that you know you'll never be bill gates won't be the biggest there's always going to be a billionaire that's got billions more than he does so I think when you realize that, just figure out who you want to be, make it attainable, mm. don't try too hard. I think that's the biggest thing. Don't try too hard. How do you own seven businesses and say you don't try too hard, though? How does that work? You just, you know, yeah. you just let it flow. Let it you, flow. You have to be a business person. Yeah. But I think, you know, again, I keep mentioning my people, but go, your Dude. listeners, go to any one of my places and ask about us. Uh, we are we are very non-traditional in the way we do things. Very non-traditional in in the management style. Um, you know, sometimes I'll say to my staff, "Let's go have lunch," and four hours later, we'll be finishing lunch somewhere. We just get up and leave. Wow. Uh, be yourself. Yeah. You know, live in the moment. Uh, life, and I don't want these all to sound like cliches, but I mean, this is real in my life. Life is very very short. Uh, and if you're trying to be somebody you're not, mm. uh, or worse than that, trying to do it to impress other people, that's where it needs to stop. Don't try to impress other people. Uh, 
you can impress people by trying not to impress them, by not trying too hard. You know, anytime I sit down with a young whippersnapper business person and they pull their wallet out instead of their baby pictures, they have pictures of a Lamborghini, I know it's time for me to get up and walk out. You know, they tell you how much money they have, where they live, you know, the, the houses they have. And to me, that's the biggest turnoff in the world. Let me find out on my own. Don't tell me. Whoa, let the work speak for itself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Have, have you always operated on those morals? Yeah. Or is that something you learned? You know, I was young, and when I was 20 years old, I became the youngest mayor in the history of uh, California. How did that happen? What's that? Uh, you know, crazy. <laughs> crazy and fearless. <laughs> I remember the, the newspaper reporter uh, asked me how old I was, and I refused to tell him. I mean, I think... <laughs> How silly that was at the time, because I thought, you know, nobody's going to vote for me if they know how young I am, so I'm not going to tell them, not realizing that that would make them, you know, go and dig and, you know, uh, sort of open up with an adversarial adversarial relationship with the press, which is stupid to do in politics. Uh, But, you know, you just, just be who you are. Be authentic. I mean, I don't know how many times I can stress that to people, but I, I tell people that every day, you know. Uh, you know it. You do it. I do. It's hard. And and I know in your Funny. life, you've had people say, Daniel, let me be your manager. Mm. I can take you there. And then they sit you down, and they want you to be somebody else other than who you are. Mm-hmm. And, you know... That works with some people, but I know you know your your creative juices flow a lot differently. I, I had the opportunity to watch you over a period of time on a regular basis because we were at nudies all the time, and you know you're not one of them. You're a standout, and and unless you want to fit that mold, you're not going to be happy. So uh, that's the truth. And and you know you make mistakes along the way. You but, have to. But you have to make mistakes. They you know Johnny Cash said you build on failure. You know, but don't look back. Do not look back. Always keep looking forward. Because all of these things that today seem like such major catastrophes when something happens, you lose a girlfriend, you know, business still doesn't go through. When you rewind years later, you kind of laugh and say, that that had me losing sleep for a night? Are yes. you kidding me? Yes. So, you know, there are momentary bumps in the road. And, and anything other than a, a catastrophic illness, mm-hmm. you know, you can overcome. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can lose every penny you have. You can make it back. You know, money money regenerates. Everybody knows that. But when you get the attitude that I'm poor, I'm broken, I'll never have anything, then, you know, that can be a self-fulfilling prophecy. Absolutely. get up, dust yourself off, and move forward. What a mentality of a of a champion, you know that there's the whole concept of the negative feedback cycle existing within someone's cognitive process. That's a real thing, you know. If you think things are going to happen to you that are on a negative scale, that's what you're going to absolutely. I, the read. one thing I cannot be around negative people. I uh huh. I despise negativity. You can feel it, huh? Yeah, I. I like some salacious gossip, but I don't like gossip. That's a great word because, because be salacious word, is good, huh? That's an expensive word. Now you're saying like Howard Stern. That's a salacious. So, <laughs> but but gossip too. When I say gossip, you know, a little bit of gossip never hurt anybody. But but I've seen people in companies. One in particular, one of my businesses, where one person became a cancer. One person affected 50 people to the point where the whole place, you know, could have fallen apart. So when you have that negative person or that person who just, in everybody else's ear, that's a case where you have to cut the cancer out. Uh-huh. You know, if the chemo don't work, cut it out. Get rid of it right away. Because, wow. again, negativity spreads. People listen. A lot of people are followers. There's no reason why the janitor and the CEO and everybody in between can't be leaders in any company, in any organization. You see a unity across. Yeah, even you, you a have a responsibility. Like I said, whether you're washing dishes or whether you're the CEO, you have a responsibility to lead in your area. Simple. You can, you know, you can just be part of the wallpaper. Or you can be a standout. And you know, you see every day human interest stories about the guy who you know, bus tables for 50 years at a place and he's retiring. And all these people who ate at this restaurant for 50 years, senators and governors and movie stars, they're all talking about this guy who busts their table. He had no idea he was making impact, mm-hmm. but people watched him and he inspired people. 
And, you know, who knows, when people saw him, if that guy at the age of 70 years old is busting the table every day and working hard, I want to work hard. You know, I, I see him as an inspiration. He never gave up. So I think that, you know, it's all about people. Mm-hmm. And, and it goes back to Johnny Cash, who really observed people. He, How so he, did you see that? What's that? How did you see that manifest oh, in Johnny? Right from the beginning. You met him at 13? I was 13. You would, you would, you could be somewhere with him. Okay. Let's say you're at an outdoor. This is this is a, a parable. This is, but but this would apply. You're sitting outside eating barbecue with him, and off in the distance, there's a homeless guy digging through the trash, and Johnny would see him pull out a hamburger wrapper, and he could be discussing his latest recording contract. There could be the you know the. All the brass and the record label there, managers, and everybody would be having this intense discussion. He would just stop, say, "Hang on a minute." <laughs> he'd go to the barbecue, you know, he'd go to the counter and get a plate of barbecue and walk it over to that guy. That's what Johnny Cash was. He would he would observe people. He was always looking out of the corner of his eye at people. And a lot of the songs you hear were written from observations. Teenage queen. A truck driver. Yeah, yeah, a truck driver, a, you know, a beauty queen, a movie star, a singer, you know, a prisoner. Mm-hmm. So by, you know, not flapping his trap all the time, mm-hmm. but by sitting back and listening and observing and learning, look at the wisdom in all those songs he wrote. Look at the wisdom in the life. The longevity. It's yeah. still more alive than ever. Yeah, Absolutely. Whoa. It, it's funny to think that the Johnny Cash Museum probably makes more money than the sushi restaurant Luke Bryan owns. Uh, yeah, probably a lot more. You know, <laughs> that's a wild <laughs> thing to think about. Like, I don't I Something weird happened to me where I realized I think I was in the music industry for a reason where everyone else wasn't, which was to actually love what I'm doing when, when I get to the chapter of my life that, that you're in. You know what I mean? And the golden see- years. <laughs> here, I got the golden girls with me too. Here, <laughs> no, you. I mean, I mean, the longevity, the morals. In a, in a good way, if you can be the antithesis of your industry. There's another word, salacious antithesis. Yeah, I we're love those. we're dragging in all the words that I keep in the closet that I never I never get to use. This but is a great I, one. I feel comfortable with you, so I can do this. Wonderful. If you can be the antithesis, if you can be the exact opposite of everybody else, in a good way. In a valuable way. Then you're you're going to stand out from the pack. Yeah. And, you know, in a world where everybody is the same, everybody wants to be the same, why not be that standout? It sounds like your imagination has kind of always been something that has guided you mm-hmm. and has been very prevalent. Because I think the thing that you just said, if only if you were an imaginative, imaginative person and you had confidence in yourself, would you ever distill that advice, I believe. Yeah. Um, but it I works. the same thing. I can say that with confidence. I can say that that 85% Uh of a person's present situation is based in confidence or lack thereof. How so? You know, there's the obnoxious, overconfident person who nobody wants to be around and people pray for their failure. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and then then there's the person who's just comfortable with themselves and and can talk about what they want to do without appearing to be obnoxious. Does that make any sense? That really does. Just again, it just boils down to being yourself. Don't don't try to impress other people. Because if you have it, if you have something, they're going to be impressed without you having to work so hard to do it. It's like like I said, the first time I walked in and saw you play guitar, I was impressed. Oh, thank you. Very uh, I you know, and I've never forgotten that. Yeah. And and I I said and and most of the people said with me that, that this is perhaps one of the finest guitar players I've ever seen in my life. And you weren't trying. You were just up there doing your thing. You know, you didn't say, oh, here comes the owner. Let me try extra hard. Uh, you just did what you did. My intuition is very uh, to do the opposite, to, to, yeah. to go even into more self. Yeah, absolutely. How have you, uh, how have you, have you, you mentioned uh, the, the it, the quote unquote it. Mm-hmm. That's a thing I think, what that means from a musician to to another musician might mean a totally different thing coming from someone who's uh, built in, in uh started many businesses Mm -hmm. how have you identified that it factor with yourself because 
your businesses are not closing. They're only getting better. And they're very imaginative. And the thing that is in a world where things are, are copy and, and are, are shelf life for just a couple of days, you create useful, long-lasting ideas mm-hmm. that people have memories of for, for years to come. How did you identify that within yourself? Like, what made you want to start your own business? Well, you know, I, I don't think it's any different than mm-hmm. – uh, than a musician, the it the it factor means that you're gonna like you just eloquently alluded to a little while ago. You're leaving something with people, memories, uh, an impression that mm-hmm. they won't likely forget in a long time. Yeah. The video, you know, the people took of you at Nudies mm-hmm. and the people from you know Iowa. Yes. And everybody, all their friends in Iowa, got to see Daniel Donato, even though they may never come to Nashville, even though they may never make it to one of your shows. There was that it factor that made them want to turn that phone recorder on and record it. It was a mm-hmm. special moment in their life. Mm-hmm. So that's the it factor. It so is. so if you if, if someone creates a memory mm-hmm. as a result of something you created, in your mm-hmm. case, your music, in my case, some of our experiences are a museum, mm-hmm. then you have gained the it factor. Mm-hmm. You know, okay. people, uh, too many people, the it, it factor is only Garth Brooks. Or Johnny Cash or Ray Charles, people who give you, you know, goosebumps. But but when people take something away and it becomes a permanent memory, oh wow, that means you have it. Whoa, that's a that's absolutely great. I don't know if anyone's ever, at least in my research and and, and trying to scavenge, no one's ever determined what that is. And it is you're just creating something that's useful and worthwhile mm-hmm. out of your own skill set. What was the first business you started? Uh, I used to go to, in this little town of 3,000 people. In Corona? Uh, no, this was Eagle Mountain, California. That's a whole other show in, in, a, in and of itself. It was yeah. a company town owned by Kaiser Steel. And everybody, all of us who lived there, their parents worked for the same company. So I would go to the grocery store and buy candy and resell it to my friends because they were too lazy to go to the grocery I store because it was quite thing. a walk. So that was my yeah. first business. Yes, in middle school, huh? Uh, yes. Same and, here. And then uh, I became interested in photography and started my own photography business uh, when I was 14. And that's around the time that Johnny Cash picked up photography as an interest. So we kind of had that as a common interest. And Is that and how the relationship blossomed? That that helped it because when I first met him, we had zero in common. You know, I didn't. How'd you meet him? Uh, I snuck backstage mm. in Denver, Colorado, and... Uh, you know, that's before they had meet and greets. Nobody knew what a meet and greet was, and even security was very limited. You know, there, there wasn't a lot of space between you and an artist uh, in most venues then. Uh, but so I, I kind of placed myself between him and his limousine because I knew this could be the only, potentially the only opportunity I ever had to shake his hand. And when he came off stage, uh, there was an exception. He had six uniformed Denver police officers on each, each side of him. And, you know, they're walking him to the car, and all of a sudden this 13-year-old kid is standing between him and the car, and the cops are all looking at each other, and, you know, it all of a sudden it goes into slow motion. You know, I see them all coming toward me, and all of a sudden they all stop. And I'm standing there looking up at Johnny Cash, who, you know, was 200 feet tall that night, all dressed in black, and, you know, just an incredible incredible looking figure i mean you can't even describe it and i couldn't talk oh what <laughs> I, couldn't even, I couldn't even move and i i remember him him putting his uh, left hand on my shoulder and grabbing my hand to shake my hand because i couldn't move it and uh he just said hey son how you doing whoa and i come on don't think i even replied and then they stepped around me and he got in the limo but I often tell people, what would have happened if, you know, you hear so many, you hear today about so many artists who, security, remove them, or they push people out of the way, or they're insulting, or they're unkind. Mm-hmm. If he hadn't taken that maybe five seconds, again, I wouldn't be here. If, if he had said, you know, get the hell out of the way, yeah. or security, remove him, or right. whatever, you know, that, that would have ended my image of Johnny Cash at that point. Totally. And who knows, I might have gone on to, you know, Wayne Newton. Who knows? (laughs) (laughs) But I can tell you there would not be a Wayne Newton Museum owned by me if that had been the case. Uh, So, you know, again, it it all came down to how that man dealt with people, how Mm. he treated people. When did you start working with him on a regular basis? uh, You know, we were just friends. I mean, we Mm. never had any formal business relationships. We were going to do a museum together. Mm. 
when he was uh, he was going to be performing in Branson, mm. which would have been a disaster, by the way, because mm. when he was going to go to Branson to have his own theater, and they were going to have a Johnny Cash theme park, even the oh, developer, wow. the develop Johnny had no financial interest; it was just a name thing. The developer went bankrupt, and Johnny had to leave Branson. But what happened is, if it had been successful, Johnny would have pretty much had a full-time residency in Branson, Missouri. That's terrible. So when that when that business failed, Johnny got on a plane and flew to Santa Ana, California and performed at a place that I happened to be at that night called uh, the the Galaxy Theater. And that's where Rick Rubin came backstage oh, to introduce on. himself. You were there? I was there. And Did uh, you know Rick? I yeah, I don't know that anybody really knows Rick, but I've met Rick. Yeah. Uh, but I remember all of us looking at this long-haired hippie in this long t-shirt going, what's he doing here? He doesn't look like a typical Johnny Cash fan. Yeah. Because up until then, we were having what I called the graying of the Johnny Cash fan. I mean, I was like the you know the great-grandchild of most of the people in the audience age-wise. Again, a great awareness for consumers. Yeah. Very much so yeah. so had, had, had Cash Country been successful in Branson, there would have been no American recording series. There would have been, no you know, revival. no rebirth. There wouldn't have been this last final burst, wow. which, you know, brought him to the apex again. So again, you know, timing, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's definitely a God thing. You know, <clears throat> you, you can't just take credit for all of this stuff yourself. There are, there are bigger things at work. I think I know, uh, in my life, and I know there was in Cash's life too. Mm-hmm. Although we never had any, you know, big discussions about religion because Johnny would never bring that on anybody. If somebody asked, he would share, but if they didn't, he wouldn't. But I think you could just look at him and look at the life and see that there was something special there. Wow, that's absolutely marvelous. That's so much to uh, process. Um, the one thing I want to leave off with is what is next? Are you going to keep on staying in Nashville? Yes, we love Nashville. Nashville yeah. is our home. We've lived here for about five years now, and uh, we were in California all our lives, Southern California. And if you had told me, you know, seven years ago you're going to live in Nashville, I literally would have laughed at you. Were you already running businesses out there? Uh, you know, I had sold a business and was sort of coasting, but, you oh. know, I would have gotten really, really bored. Was that not music? Uh, no, no, I had... I had never done anything having to do with music or entertainment. What? Uh, oh, but all my businesses have been very niche you know, all my life. When you mentioned the niche niche thing, niches are important. You know, it's How so? uh, well, I mean, you can narrow cast and you're going to, you're going to have an audience that is with you, you know, all the time, or you can broadcast, they can find that anywhere. But if you're narrow casting, if you're identifying a specific audience and you're meeting their needs without trying to be something to everybody, niche is where it's, where it's at. How do you scale that then? You know, how are you scaling your podcast? You know yeah. who your audience is, right? I mean, I'm, you have an idea of who your audience is. Mm-hmm. So I would think that when you have guests on, mm-hmm. they're going to be of interest to your audience in some way. Mm-hmm. I know that I'm the freak of your of your podcast so far because you usually, I'm sure, you usually have musicians and people like that. But uh, it doesn't hurt to have an old man in once in a while who gives a different perspective on on life in general. Come on. Uh, but no, I I believe. Find and stay with a niche. Wow! Don't try to don't try to broadcast because everybody does that, and that's why the Johnny Cash Museum is is so successful because I mean it is single purpose, and we know who we're talking to and we know who we want to talk to. We're not going out trying to throw everything to the wind to try to make something work. So, do you know that prior to the onset of the endeavor, or does that does that uh, do you fine tune that as the process goes along? I've always I, all my businesses have been niche businesses. Um, one of my first, my most successful uh, early business was a business we sold autographs and historical documents, uh, entertainment, all entertainment based. Everything from, I'm going to make you drool, George Harrison's Redwood Telecaster. Get you know, out that's of here. something we handled to, you know, handwritten lyrics till I walk the line. Get uh, out of here, you, you know, Jim Morrison's Lizard Pants. No uh, so so very niche you know we didn't get involved in sports we didn't get involved in so many of the other things that were popular we we tended to concentrate in in specific areas uh so when somebody wants to reach johnny cash's audience they can go on cbs and spend you know five million dollars for a 30 second spot and not get the same effectiveness coming to us and our audience because 110 percent of our audience are johnny cash fans 
Wow. So that's why niche is important because you have that critical mass. Everybody who is tuning in, in the case of the podcast I told you about earlier to our Johnny Cash podcast we used to do, they're, episodes, they're all fans. Oh, uh, my gosh. So, you know, yeah. why waste your time trying to, to reach people who aren't interested in what you do when you just cut right to the chase? Micro-targeting. That's a mic drop. That's absolutely unbelievable wisdom. Well, it's, you know... Whoa. Your music, you're not going to go into a Dixieland club, mm-hmm. most likely. You know, you're not going to do that. You know where to go. Mm-hmm. You know where your audience is going to be the most responsive. Mm-hmm. So you can you, you can try to convince people to like something, but most of the time, it's hard to convince people to like something that they can't relate to. Whoa. Have you ever found yourself, the, the thing that I find a lot of musicians and myself you're attached to your product because it's yourself. That mm-hmm. is, uh, it's hard to be divorced. It's a part of you. It's hard. It's hard to cut off an arm, isn't it? But it's a part of you. It is hard to cut off an arm. So if if you want your arm to be an arm that it isn't, but you're given an arm and it's a great arm, mm-hmm. uh, you got to make that arm work anyway. Even yeah. If, but you you should not try to make it a, a it, something that it is certainly not. No. Yeah. Absolutely. No. Be true to yourself. Whoa. You know, there are too many artists out there who are doing what the record company tells them to do. That's so true. Yeah. And there's no happy ending there. We had, we had a friend who was actually a winner on The Voice. Mm-hmm. Top winner. Mm-hmm. And you would think that that's an automatic path to success and superstardom. Mm-hmm. But it didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that the record company says, we're going to take control of your social media. Oh, no. We're going to take control of you know, your career path, take down your Facebook page, put up a different one. I, I mean, we saw it. This was somebody oh, we knew very, very no. well. And so now all of a sudden, everything they liked about you, when you auditioned, you did your own music, you did your own thing. But once they get their hands on you, they're going to try to mold you into what they want you to be. You think it requires confidence to tell people to, to not do that? Oh, yeah. But once once you tell them that in this business, you're dead. You know that. Yes. You walk in and tell a record label, that you know you're not going to do it and they're sitting there at you know the 20 foot boardroom table with all the bean counters nobody knows anything about music but they say daniel love what you do we've watched you at nudies we we went on your tour love what you do and you go yes i finally get to record the record i've always wanted to however need a little bit of hip-hop in there daniel that's what's happening well it is and and it you know is. that's why so many of these artists are unhappy yes. you know they, they get they're making a lot of money but money does not buy you happiness that there's no question about that is there not there you know what it it can make things easier but not everything easier because sure. at a certain point how much is too much and how much do you really need you got to identify that for yourself huh yeah 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 you don't want to sell out you know, I, I know people who, who love to count their money and tell you how much they have. And to me, those are the people I don't want to be around. Whoa. And that's why your passion reflects in all the moves that you're making. Yeah, I, absolutely. I would rather spend time with you than, you know, with some billionaire telling me his path to success. Because, you know, I, I enjoy being with real people. I enjoy pe- being with people who I know are the real deal. Uh, and life, again, is too short. I'm really selective who I have dinner or lunch with because there's only so many lunches and dinners in your life. And if you have to sit there and, you know, try to impress someone or try to sell yourself, it just, it's, it's really not very pleasant to me. Be with, be with people you like. And, you know, you'll see in my life, I have the biggest variety of friends you'll ever want to see. You know, some of them are very famous entertainers and some of them are just people I love to hang out with who, have never really done anything that most people would find remarkable in their lives, but they're good people. Wow. And those are the people that can inspire you the most. That is the thing. Wow. I think I have five hours worth of questions, but we got to cut it off here. This has been an unbelievable day. Thank well, it's been you. a thrill to see you after all this time. You it cut, has been. You cut your hair. Yes. Now, do you still have the same girlfriend or you had five cents or <laughs> I got, I was girlfriend. very, I was very open yep. with you three marriages. So, <laughs> I'm yet into the first marriage. I'm saving it. I'm waiting for the first one. You're waiting for the right person. Three's a lot. 
three is a lot. But I gave each one time. The first one was seven years, second one 11, and now I've been with Shannon for 21. So Shannon's stuck. Shannon's Shannon stuck. stuck. Because she's my crazy person. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. I think I'm still working on developing my own crazy and then finding a person who matches it. Well. That's the thing. I hope you find that person because I did. And it's great once you do. You know, we've been together 21 years, have worked together in business Ever since twenty one years, that's crazy. And we've only been we've only been apart six nights in that entire time. So maybe the crazy has been driving each other crazy. I don't know. <laughs> no, we we you know we genuinely like each other. We love each other. We really really like each other. We're Just really works. great friends. Yeah, and you know sometimes we fight like cats and dogs, but it's like the three minute fight where yeah. you know and and my staff sees it because again creative you know creative people you got to get it out. So we'll, you know, blah, 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 and then, all right, let's go have lunch. What do you want to do? Whoa. So, you know, we don't hold grudges either. And I think that's an important thing, too. That's absolutely. Never, ever, ever go to bed mad at somebody. And you know what? What about yourself? You ever, that's the thing I personally have struggled with. Is uh, the, I'm not an angry person. How so, though? I just, I'm not an angry person. I think anger is, is wasted. I mean, again, I wish we were on a video pod, a video cast so here I. so you can see I my two wonderful people here. But they can tell you, you know, I, I'm not a yeller and a screamer. They probably heard me do it once or twice, and it's probably with my kids, typically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, what good does anger give you? Anger is counterproductive. Very wise. Yeah. Uh, it. I think people lose respect when they see you angry because typically when you're angry, you're going to say things that are mean and, you know, counterproductive. And, and I think when you're angry, uh, you tend to want to hurt people with your words. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that loses respect. It's the way to lead people. It's yeah. To be a great leader. Yeah. Whoa. So, you know, um, 300 people is a lot, and, and we went from 40 to 300 in the period of 18 months. And you can't expect all of those 300 people to fit a mold because everybody's different, and everybody has quirks. And, you know, wow. who's to say that my normal is their normal or vice versa? So you really learn a lot about people. And, and like I said, whether it's your bartender or your band leader or the guy who washes the dishes – uh, I learn stuff every day. And, you know, certain people say, well, why do you ask for other people's opinion? Look at all you've done. And I go, you know what? Oh, wow. They, so, I mean, people actually, it's a waste of time. Why do you waste time soliciting input from other people about your latest venture? Because, you know what, if I, my time is not so valuable that I can't listen to people. Because if I get 10,000 ideas that I never use, but I get that one big idea, then it's all worth it, isn't it? 100%. And what else would I, what, what else would I be doing with that time? observing people that's what it's all about that's a uh, so much empathy that you have for others it sounds innately to to have the empathy to observe people and give that the time of day absolutely well, oh my gosh when i don't have time to do that anymore then i need to you know retire i think but is that going to happen i don't think so yeah. you know it's nice it go. sounds nice it sounds nice to you know go lay by the pool all day and but Anything, it, again, it's it, like we discussed earlier, you stagnate, you know, if you sit in two place, in one place too long. You can't do it. No. Yeah. No. So uh, you've been on tour. Yeah, we did over 100 shows this year. That's phenomenal. Or just under 100 shows, yeah. That takes a lot of energy. It does. That's all I have right now, though, and were you energy. good? were you good to all the fans? I love my fans. My fans are my friends. Good. They really are. See how easy that is? I think it is that easy. Don't don't look at at people who does, do business with you as enemies. And you know a lot a lot of artists, honestly, I I hear them behind the scenes, and and they have disdain for the fans. That's because they want they want good. they want their time. A fan wants a picture and autograph. Mm-hmm, of course. And many artists now feel like you know what, you already got your money's worth. You bought my CD. You bought a ticket to the concert, and that's all I owe you. I owe you nothing more. That's disgraceful. But though. how much? How yeah. much? You know, how much does that three seconds of Johnny Cash take me? How much? How much did that cost him? And here I am sitting today, forty years later, talking about how wonderful he is. I mean that that will go on forever. And then you hear of other artists, what a jerk, how mean they are. You know, it's like Dolly Parton. Have you ever heard anybody say anything bad about Dolly? Literally nothing. Because she's nice. She's a nice person, and 
she knows when she giggles and gives somebody a hug and gives them a smile, she knows that that carries on forever. And that's why she's Dolly Parton. And that's why some of these other people have been forgotten because they're mean, nasty, bitter people. Wow. Absolutely. I feel like everything you've said too today, I've learned a lot of these things, but I feel like a lot of things you've said are, uh, they're in my DNA. I feel like uh, it's very reassuring to hear all the things that you're operating off of, uh, where you're coming from emotionally, where you're thinking. I operate from the same place. You know, I, I would hope that everyone has goodness in them as part of their basic DNA. <clears throat> Some people just have a harder time getting it out, but I think if you just, like I said, take a deep breath, be who you are, don't try to be anybody else, look around you, yeah. uh, you know, it'll, it'll all happen naturally. Whoa. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you. It's a thrill to be with you again, Daniel. Likewise. Hope to see you again soon. Oh, Thank you, my friend. There's nothing quite like somebody who knows how to handle fear, how to handle goals, how to handle dreams, and just make sense of it all. I think these are the defining characteristics of, of, of how we interpret a hero. There's heroes all around us every day. We just got to look out and try to find them. My good friend, Mr. Bill Miller, to me, is a hero. Hero for Nashville, a hero for people who believe and people who are crazy and want to pursue their own goals in life. Thank you guys for listening. What were we listening to today exactly? We were listening to 1974 Winterland, Sugar Ree, Grateful Dead. So good. Come on with it. This is Buck Owens, Love's Gonna Live Here Again. And then, of course, the song to introduce Mr. Bill Miller was Ring of Fire, Johnny Cash, tastefully picked out by yours truly. Uh, y'all go check out the new Cosmic Country Earth t-shirt, Earth Day t-shirt that we uh, just launched the other day. Uh, check out the Orville Peck podcast if you haven't already. And on my Patreon page, we have tabs, new song demos that are going to be released uh, probably never. And uh, uh, meditation music and classical ambient style music. Uh, released every morning on there for y'all who are trying to work at your desk and not have lyrics get all up in your face and your ears and your thoughts and your imagination. Um, just some cosmic country guitar. Um, of course, no tour dates to announce right now, but I just want to thank y'all for listening and staying involved. Join the Cosmic Country Club if you feel like hopping on the train and getting involved in the weekly updates and positive quotes that I'm sending out, etc. Love y'all. Stay happy. Stay positive. Stay cosmic. <laughs>